Hi guys, welcome to 20 Questions With. This is the podcast launched by UPR HSC. We are celebrating the 20 year anniversary of Unlimited PR. I've been a friend of UPR since the beginning actually, and also a customer since a long time. I'm Tony Tonar, the founder and the CEO of Kings of Indigo, a sustainable denim brand from Amsterdam. Today we're here to, uh, to have a nice conversation with uh, Jerome Dreyfus. Jerome, welcome. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Can you tell a little bit more about yourself? Like a short, brief introduction, please. What can I say? I'm a handbag designer. I'm trying to make some sustainable bags since almost 20 years. Like UPR, we're almost the same age. Since the beginning, I'm just trying to make cool bags for cool girls that are sustainable. Not the girls, but the bag. And I'm trying to change the girl into sustainable girls. <laughs> that sounds very good. Ah, very nice that we have this opportunity. What is your relationship with UPR? I'm working with UPR since uh, six or seven years, I think, or five years. I'm a little lost in the time. We got a strong relationship with all the team, and I'm really glad to work with people that are open mind to talk about the ecological problem and all the changes we can bring to the industry. That's something really strong at UPR, and I'm really, really happy to be able to be part of the team. Ah, great, great. You've been around for a long time, of course, and you started. When did you start your, launch your brand? I started my brand in 98, but I used to make clothes and I did it for five years, I think, or four years. And then my wife got pregnant and I took the decision to take care of my son that was a baby. I had to find a solution to be able to keep going on doing my work and having more time. So I, this time I thought, okay, there's maybe something to do on the bags because at that time there were no bags on the market apart from the big brand bags. Mm -hmm. I thought it would be really interesting to try to make some bags with an ecological point of view. I've been working hard on where the leather were coming from and all the sourcing of everything I was using to make my bags. Cool. And I understood also you designed clothing for Michael Jackson as well. Yeah, yes, I did. That's how you started. Yeah, it's how I started. It was in another life. But it was a cool life too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that was before you started with your accessory brands. Exactly. Exactly. It was in 99. And 99. And when did you notice when uh, you had to do this, your own brand and uh, start like a new career in, in fashion? I always wanted to have my own brand and I started, I was really young. I was 23 as I started. I've been really lucky because I was super successful really fast. As I had so much success, I took the decision to change really the way I was doing and the way I was thinking. And just by looking around, I understood the women were needing bags. The reason why I'm doing bags is also I have a huge passion about architecture. And uh, what I like in the architecture is that people come to see you with a way of living and you have to adapt your work to their way of living. Mm -hmm. And I thought it would be really interesting to do some bags and to adapt the bags to the new way of living of the woman. With the appearance of all the new technologies, the way the women are moving has changed a lot. That's why I've, I'm always trying to make some super practical, easy to use bags. So if you look at 20 years ago, right? Would you have imagined where you are today? I'm not that kind of guy having any plan. I'm just following the flow. I'm just, you know, I consider myself as an aircraft man. So I'm just trying to always getting better every year, every season. So my only plan was to be able to make good, super good quality, creative pieces. That's the point. After you're big, you're small, I'm not really interested into it. I must say my dream is not to become the biggest handbag brand in the world. My dream is to be able to make some good quality pieces, 
with the maximum care. And also what's important to me that all the people working with me are happy in their life and are happy to come to work every day. So it's 50 people here in Paris for little factories with 80 people. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of people depending on my work. And my first concern is that everybody feels good and is happy to work. So 20 years ago, you had no, no idea where you were going to be uh, right now? No. If you could give any advice to the 20-year-old Jerome Dreyfus, what would it be? I don't know. I never thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> now you can think about it. The only way I would think about it is just having a, a cool party with all the people that have been supporting the brands since the beginning. That's important to be able to be nice to the other. I think, you know, I'm always talking about it, but I think it's also a way of taking care of the planet, taking care of the other. Mm, I don't know. It's really hard to give an advice. You have to believe in what you're doing. I think you have to be as honest as possible in everything you're doing. Honest when you're creating and you have to be honest in everything you do. You really got to work with your feeling. And I think that if you really believe in what you do, then it can work. It's the advice I'm always giving to the young people. Work and believe in what you do and then it will follow. You know, as I started with the talking about the ecological problem to my buyers and to the journalists 20 years ago, everybody was laughing. Yeah. And today everybody is calling to ask about advices. That's why I think you really have to believe in what you do, do what you are. Don't try to be someone else. Stay close to yourself. I, I totally agree yeah, with that. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people laughed at 17 years ago when I was starting a sustainable denim brand, but now, like you said, there's a lot of people listen to your advice. So what, what do you consider actually of the most radical change in the fashion industry in the past two decades? The industrialization of, of everything. I mean, 20 years ago, you know, I started saying I consider myself as an art craftsman. And I think that everybody was considering himself as an art craftsman 20 years ago. Today, they all think they are industrial. I mean, the brand became so big and so global that there is not no place for little brands and you just have big, big brands taking all the market. And I don't know, it has changed a lot. It has changed a lot. When you're traveling, you cannot bring anything back from Shanghai or New York. You cannot bring anything special because everything is the same in, in Amsterdam, in Paris, in New York, in Shanghai, in Tokyo. And that's a little shame yeah. about it because we are losing the particularity of each country that give the strongness to a country. Is that what you find the most difficult in our industry or, or something else? I think what's difficult is to be, to, to have to face people that do not understand what's the soul of our work. And that, that are just trying to understand who are the famous people that are wearing your brand or I'm not really interested into it. And that's something really strong and powerful today in the industry. Hey, and uh, Jerome, so when we are uh, selecting new materials for denim collections, etc., we always are very critical and very particular on the sustainability part, but also the quality part. What are the most exciting material innovations uh, for you and your brand in the past uh, decades? Uh, what's funny is that the, the most interesting innovation we're working with, an innovation of the last century, we're working on the old way. Uh, we are tanning our leather with the cork of the trees and there is no chemical product. 
and we are giving the color with natural pigments. Mm. So it sounds really hippie, really, but it's the way our grandparents used to do, and it, it was working. Instead of trying to find a new way of doing, I found the old way of doing that was cleaner than what we are doing today. But we're really lucky because now it's changing and with all the norms of Europe, the tanneries are changing the way they're working and they are washing the water before rejecting it from the tannery. Things are changing. It's moving. It's going in the good way. Yeah, definitely. And I think you're also making incredible products. I'm sure you have a lot of inspiration. What are the most inspirational brands for you to get inspiration from? What's your favorite bag design, for example, from the past? I have no favorite bag. My inspiration is coming from the girls that I see all around. I see the girls in the street, the way they move. And while I see them, I'm always thinking, ah, it would be more comfortable for her to have that kind of piece. It would be helpful to her to have that kind of piece. And then I'm creating about the problem I I can feel the women have. It's funny because the way the women are moving has changed a lot with the appearance of the new technologies. Before, I'm always saying the French woman She was waiting at the red light in the street with a cigarette, a trench coat, and a pair of jeans. Mm. It was Catherine Deneuve, (laughs) and it is still Catherine Deneuve. Today, if you see the same woman at the same red light, she has no more cigarettes, she has a phone like that on her shoulder, and she's carrying a computer. And while you see that, you're always thinking, I got to be helpful to this woman. It's not practical at all. Plus, she has a bike, plus she has a kid. It's really hard for women to, for women and men to be able to carry all those threads, computers, phones, headphones. So just trying to work as an architect and try to find solutions to make their life easier. That's the main inspiration. I like how you show you on your website what a bag can contain. So exactly. I think that's yeah. a very practical way of showing what you can do with this particular bag. Uh, talking about denim, right? So, so if you had to design a bag for King's Vinigo, for us, what do you do? Ah, you know, <laughs> I used to do a lot of jeans as I was doing my clothing line. And I used to use the belt and the pockets of old jeans because I did not understood why I had to produce new pieces as they were so much on the market that were old. So I was taking the old jeans, cutting into them and readapting them in, in a new way. So I think I would do something in a way like that. Upcycling. I would take old pieces where upcycling, I would take old pieces and try to make something out of it. Ah, very nice. Love it. Let's work on that. And yeah, if, let's think about it. Exactly. And if you think about making your denim, how is your setup actually? You have a design office in Paris, right? And where, where do you produce your bags and develop the bags? I'm creating all the bags here in Paris. And then I got different little ateliers in Italy, in south of France in Morocco and in Tunisia. I choose the factory I'm working with depending on the on their knowledge, on their specialty. Some of them are specialty on uh, knitting the leather. Some of them are more specialized on structure pieces, on soft pieces. So I'm trying to use each factory and each knowledge of each factory for the needs of the brand. Okay. And I'm working with the same people since the beginning. Yeah, I think long-term relationships always work really well. Uh, yeah. It's a similar country as I work with. Do you have any social standards or any things you control wages or like circumstance in factories, yeah. how, how people are being treated yeah. and can work? Every two years, we send some uh, companies that are specialized in checking and in helping the factory to get better with the employees. So we are doing it in France, in Italy, and in Morocco and in Tunisia. I would say the hardest to do is in Italy. 
because a lot of uh, voilà. Chinese uh, people ouais. working in factories, so I mean, uh, it's, it's hard to control the government or the... Exactly, and we want to control that everybody is working in a good way and that everybody is fine. That's why I choose to work only with little factories, because I know everybody, I know everyone, you know, on his sewing machine since the beginning. And it's also really important to me to be able to, as I go in the, in the factories, to talk with all the guys working on the pieces. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And when you go in the, in the factory, you realize how much work there is. And I would say that each time I feel a little bit of a shame because there is so much just for one piece. So I need to go there to know the people, to be able to, first of all, thank them, but also have a real relationship with them. And it's the better way they give their best to the brand. Yeah, it's really good, I think, because also the, those people have so much knowledge. They also can help you make your products better. And yeah. I think this personal contact... I'm learning from them. Yeah, definitely. Difficult yeah. in this period of time eh, because we're not allowed to travel. Uh, how do you deal with that in the COVID times? Because I, I used to fly all the time to Tunisia, Italy, Spain, Portugal, all the production countries. How do you how do you deal with that at the moment? It's quite easy. I do my own prototypes here in Paris. So I sew. I love sewing. I'm not drawing so much. I love sewing. So I do my prototype. I send them to the factory and then we discovered zoom <laughs> and we're yeah. doing everything by zoom yeah so we'll keep doing that do you think you will keep your change way of working for the future as well i'll have to go back to the factory because this is the heart of my work but i really do think that it's a good way of working and not creating more pollution so i'm quite happy with it i would say yeah. Because I know it sounds stupid, but that's the way I am. Each time I take a plane, I'm, I'm, I really think before, do I really have to take that plane? But we are talking with, uh, about plane, it's the same with boats. You know, I've tried to take boats and, you know, like big boats, thinking oh, it's creating less pollution than the plane, which is not the case. Yeah. So um, you have to think about it. You have to be careful, but you don't have to be stupid. You have to do it in a good way. Yeah, exactly. Now, we're talking a little bit also about the future of our fashion industry and the sustainability. And uh, vegan is a very big word lately. I think the role of vegan will be an accessory business in the future. That's a subject. The thing is that I totally understand. You know, I, I love nature. I love all the animals. I love that. But I, sometimes I do not understand what the vegans are doing. They are doing really well in a way as they are really changing the mind of the people worldwide, which is really important. And I thank them for that, for that work. Apart from that, in our industry, I hear talking a lot about the leather of ananas, the mushroom leather, the, yeah. the corn leather. You have to know that to do a mushroom leather, you just take the mushroom and on top of it, you put some polyurethane that's coming from the oil industry. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. by using fake leather, you're pushing the people to create with fabrics that are produced by the oil industry. Working with leather is something that the prehistorical men used to do. They were killing the animal for their meat and they were using their skin for, their, for, for dressing themselves. I still do the same way. We are only using skins that are coming from the elementary industry. And I give the guarantee to my clients that all the animals we're using are living outside for free, are killed in a good way. You know, I think that people are, are, will always eat meat. So why should we not use the skins from that? You know, it's 17 million kilometer square skins produced every year on the planet. What are we going to do with it? Shall we throw them away or shall we use them? 
and not make uh, some fake leather out of of petrol. Yeah, that's the whole thing. So I'm really I'm really interested into the vegan. I really do understand. I really support them. But I think that we have to work together to try to find better ways of producing everything. It's true for everything. So you have to understand what you're talking about yeah. to be able to talk about. Yeah. And maybe use letter more responsibly. Yeah. Sometimes when there's a good alternative, it's a good way to think. And it opens the eyes yeah, to, to and... think in alternatives or innovation. But I, I agree. Letter is an amazing natural product which lasts for a very long time if you keep it well. Yeah. And you know, it's maybe better to buy a good piece every two years than to buy uh, two pieces per year. Yeah. That's also a solution. We have to consume less. We know about it. Yeah. Don't buy some fake leather bags at 50 euro. Buy a beautiful bag once or twice in your life and you'll keep it. Yeah, exactly. And if you think uh, as, as your vision as a designer, how is it uh, differing from anybody else in the industry? What is your unique vision? I'm not trying to be trendy. I'm just trying to, to be pleasant to my client. I'm just thinking of my friend for whom I'm creating. And I'm just trying to be cool to them. That's the only point. I don't care of being famous, of being recognized. My only point is to be able to make the right product. You know, it's the same in everything. I think they would, it would be better if we would be a lot of little designer than being one big. And it's the same talking about the vegans. There is no only one solution. There are many little solutions. Because one little solution that can be good, if everybody is using it, then it becomes a mess. So we have to find a lot of different techniques, a lot of different way to do to get better. I agree. We have the same problem with organic cotton. If everybody would buy organic cotton, there's not enough organic cotton. So it's great that there's different materials like tencel or exactly hemp or linen, uh, amazing materials to use. What keeps you inspired so much? You sound like a very vivid person. You keep yourself moving. What keeps you inspired so much? The evolution. Looking around me, you know, now I have a 17 years old son and I look at the way he is, the way he moves, the way he is with his friend. And it's really inspiring yeah. because you, you always got to be in contact with the, the outside world. And having kids is really inspiring for me. Yeah. So I would say that my inspiration is really like growing with me and I still look around and I still, I still have a, a lot of fun to be useful to the people. Okay. No, I like that. I like that. Very good. I mean, you've, you've had quite a long career already. Every career comes with ups and downs. Can you highlight one down, really down moment and one really up moment, like a high you had? I would say one really down moment. Let me think about it. It's hard because I have that kind of period that when it's hard, you always find something positive in it. But I would say, well, I had to stop my closing line. It was really hard because that was the dream I had when I was a kid. And I was kind of frustrated. And I was afraid of not being able to still be creative. I think that one of the good moments was when I discovered that I could work on any support. I mean, when you're creative, you just have to adapt your creativity to the support on which you are working. Maybe the top, top moment was Michael Jackson. I had a lot of fun with him. Yeah, I can imagine. That was, you know, I was a huge fan. And one day I had a phone call from him. So it, that was really interesting and really funny. 
a young generation, right? They also sometimes struggle with finding the right passion and how to make a living out of it. What is your advice to the next generation to come? Do what you feel. Don't listen to your parents. Don't listen to your friends. Do what you feel. Do what you are. This is so important. I would say that I'm pushing all the young that I know that have something they can do with their hand to do it because technology is great. Everything is great, but being a good plumber <laughs> or, or being a, you know, you need that and you will always have work. Yeah. What kind of advice can I say? Who am I to give advices, you know? Follow your heart, maybe. Where follow your heart. Do things with passion. You always will be successful. I, uh... Exactly. Yeah. You need a little bit of passion in everything. Exactly. Talking about not uh, too much because it's dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can also lose yourself in passion, but sometimes that's also exactly. good. Not everything can turn into success. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the future. Also, I also hear that you plant for every bag you sell, you plant a tree. Tell yeah. more about it. How that came to your idea and how that works. It's really easy on. All the bag that I produce, I add one euro on the price of the bag produced and not sell. And then after on each bag that is sold, I add two euro fifty. In total, it's one euro for the production plus two euro fifty for the selling of the bag. Then we're working with uh, an association here in Paris that is planting tree in the forests of Amazonia. Because mm -hmm. as you know, there is a lot of problems with uh, the fires in Amazonia. So we're working with them from the point we started. We've been planting about 5,000 trees. We are planning to double the number of, of trees we are planting this year. Wow. And this is really important to me because, you know, it gives a sense to what you do, not only for me, but for all the people working with me. Suddenly, they become really proud to work for the brand. And in another way, it's also a way to tell to my client that with a little, little money, you can start changing the world. It's also a way to inform the client that they can also do it by themselves. Inspiration for uh, changing, adding, Where... do good, look good, do look. It's not really original, but the point is not to be original. The point is to plant billions of trees on all the planets, and this will help a lot to decrease the CO2 problem, CO2 problems. Can you tell anything what nobody knows about you? A little secret? Well, I'm, I'm actually making a, a wood factory in my countryside house because I'm starting to make furnitures. Ah, okay out of wood <laughs> that's very interesting i'm really interested in the in the way people live so my passion is architecture i love making houses i did my office i did my house i have no house to do now so i'm, I'm starting with furnitures in a way i'm i'm also trying to make my friend happy about what i'm doing i'm looking around and i'm trying to see what's the need of my friend and i'm trying to give an answer and i'm doing that with my son <laughs> oh great oh that's a really nice so from really cool, male right? bonding you can use your own planted trees for your own furniture. That's great. Uh, not yet, not <laughs> yet, but uh, have to it grow. will come. Now, because you know, when you cut a tree, then you have to dry the wood yeah, yeah. and it takes quite a lot of time. But I only use, I had a conversation yesterday with my woodworkers where I'm ordering the wood and he wanted to sell me some wood that was coming from South America. So I explained him that I only wanted wood that was coming from around 
my house and not wood coming from South America. I explained him that he should stop buying his wood in South America and that he should try to work only with European wood because one more time, you're creating pollution by bringing the wood from South America to Europe. You know, the ecological problem is really something that is deep inside me and I'm trying to change the mind of the people around me. And did he listen to you? Yes, I think I, I, I now yesterday I think he, he understood. Okay, good. He understood what I'm what I was talking about, and and that's what I'm trying to do with the bags. But I will try to do it with the furniture. You just have to show a way. Mm. Some people will follow, some won't. But you know, changing the mind of one or two person is already a lot. Change has to start somewhere. If you're talking about change, how, how do you predict the future of our fashion industry? Looking at the young generation, I think they will buy a lot of second hand which is really good, they will be really careful on, on the sustainability aspect mm. of the product. That for sure. I see what's happening for us. Now people are really into asking questions and which is really new since I would say two years. Before nobody cared about the way we were producing. You know, I was trying to explain the people, but nobody was interested into it. And since two years, I feel a big, big change about it. Yeah, I agree, totally. And uh, so, so what will you be doing in the next 20 years of the fashion industry? Or... I will try to do what I always did, to be cool to the other and try to show a way that I really believe in. And what, would you, what kind of advice would you give to the journalists and the PR people uh, how to operate in this area? It's too different. The journalists, I would say, be aware of what's happening and don't be afraid of what's new. Please try to go deeply in the process of creating to understand what's happening. Maybe stop believing in what the big brands are saying because they are doing a lot of greenwashing. Okay, so they have to be very critical and very thorough and they have to learn a lot about how our production process works, right? And I think that's, that's maybe yeah, also yeah. really interesting for them to really get into a product. To know what they talk about. Yeah, exactly. Okay, then uh, I have a few more uh, rapid questions for you. What's your least favorite core around the house? Little job on the house, what do you have to household job? I'm kind of a maniac, so I'm always repeating everything on place. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, but I love, I love making my house. Uh, my house is cool and comfy. That's really important to me. Cool. And are you then a, a morning uh, person or a night owl? Um, both. I'm not sleeping so much. I wake up at five every morning because I don't sleep. Right? It's not that I have to wake up. I, I'm really lucky I don't need to sleep so much. So this is really great to me. Which period of your uh, life you like the best? Your 20s or your 30s? Oh, my 30s. No hesitation. It's awful to be 20 years old. You know, in <laughs> France, we had, we had uh, Charles Aznavour, which used to be a very famous French singer. And he was singing this song saying that when you're 20, it's the best when you're 20. And when I was 20, I thought of him and I said, he lied. This is really hard to be 20. I think it's really hard to be 20 today in the world we're living in. You don't know who you are. You don't know where to go. You're a little lost. When you're 30, it's the beginning of... of <laughs> Of the life. Direction. Yeah. <laughs> when you're 40, it's like, wow. I found it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what is your favorite season of the year? Uh, the summer. The summer. Well, I love when it's really, really warm. The warmest it is, the best it is for me. But in warm places. Actually, it's really warm in Paris and I'm really afraid about it. It's getting warmer every year. Well, well. you know, I, I live outside of Paris now in the countryside. And you see so much the changes. 
the trees are dying, there is no water, it's not raining. It hasn't been raining from March till September here in Paris. Yeah. It's a nightmare for the nature. So I like when it's really warm, but in warm countries. Do you like them more, the countryside or city life? Uh, countryside, no hesitation. I need to have my hand in the grass. So I need to work with my hand. I need to do things. I need to garden. I need to take care of the trees. I need to, I need to work with my hands. If you had to go back to your period back in history, which period would you go to then to work back with your hands? I don't know. I have no fantasy to go back to any time. I would have answered the the 50s, but you know, in the 50s, you had so many problems of healthcare. And I think we are living in a world, we are so lucky and we just do not realize the luck we have. Mm -hmm. You know, the way we live, the, everything is, is just perfect and we always want more. We should maybe try to live in our time but with a little less, and that would be perfect to me. Okay, so if you talk about less, if you had to use one fabric for the rest of your life, what fabric would it be then? Jean. Jeans? No ah. hesitation. Ah. Well, <laughs> I well, love to hear I love that. Jeans. <laughs> I love jeans. It, it can be sustainable, it's super strong, and you can do anything out of it. You can do clothing, you can do sofas, you can do everything you want you can do out of jeans. That would be jean with no hesitation. And if you talk about other uh, excitements, like do you like the smell of leather or do you like the smell of a little bakery? I love the smell of a leather in a little bakery. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, if you imagine the perfect woman, do you like heels or flats? You know, the perfect woman is not about heels or flats. It's about mind. Mm. I'm really well placed to talk about it because my wife can be heels or can be flat. But what seduced me the most is our mind. And it's not to be to look cool that I'm saying about it. It's really important. It's really important. When I was 20, I would have said heels, heels. Yeah. But she made me discover that she can be so sexy when she's flat. So that's not the problem to me. The problem is to have someone open mind enough to be able to live on a long time terms with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting enough, it looks like. And well, if you can make a radiance, she looks good in any way, I guess. I don't know. I'm always joking to make the people laugh. I love, <laughs> jo I, I love jokes. That's good. It's really important to me. Now, it's really important because when you have a great sense of humor, I think it's really helpful in the relationship with the people. Also, in the way I'm driving my company, I make the people of the company laugh a lot. And you know, when we had the first lockdown, Some of the girls start crying because they were a little bit afraid mm -hmm. that I said we have to leave the office and we are not coming back. We don't know when we're going to come back. It was a really particular situation. And some of them start crying. And I said, listen, girls, I know you're crying because I'm gonna, you're going to miss me. But no worries. Every morning, you're going to have a joke from me. <laughs> and we did a WhatsApp group. And for three months, every morning, they had a joke. It's stupid, but it's a way to maintain the link with the people. And I think there is nothing better than, than laughing all together. It's so good to laugh. The humor puts a lot of things in perspective, I think. Especially if you don't take yourself too serious, I think it's, it makes you deal with problems a way better. Exactly. It's really, really helpful to deal with problems and, and it gives some always a positive sign, yeah. which is really important to be positive. Agree. Agree. Two cities to choose from, Amsterdam or Antwerp? Amsterdam. Now, why is that? I would say because of the girls. <laughs> no, I would say, no, it's beautifuler. It's way much beautifuler. Come on, with all the those canals and the houses are amazing. No, no, Amsterdam, no hesitation. 
Yeah, I love to live there, so I, I, I can't agree. One final question, uh, Jerome. How would you like that people remember you in 20 years from now? Someone tr that has tried to be good to the others. And that's really something I'm trying to do every day. Being nice to the other is really important and for me is the base of having a good life. You can't be happy if the people around you are not happy. Mm. So you have to make everyone happy around you so that they can make everyone ha happy around them. And it's kind of circle like that. And I think that would be helpful that we would be nicer to each other. So if everybody in the world would do that, we would have like an amazing future, right? Exactly. And you know, it's, sometimes it sounds a little stupid. I hear myself talking. But I think this is just the base. Being positive, being nice to the other, that's the start of a good word. I totally agree. Well, thanks a lot, uh, Jerome. I uh, really enjoyed this. I, uh, I yeah, really thanks to you. Huh? I hope really soon that you visit your favorite city, Amsterdam, again, and we can have well, like, a lovely breakfast. And, it's uh, planned. It's again planned. And, maybe uh, maybe at the beginning of the year. And joke a little bit around. So, and otherwise, well, uh, I, will, uh, I would love to visit you in the countryside near Paris. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thanks to you. A lot of success with this, uh, this period. And I'm sure we will all be happy out and about next year again. Ouais. I hope to see of you soon. We win. Ciao, ciao. Thank you Merci. very much. Au revoir. Ciao. A bientôt.